Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. Josh, it's not too often that we get uh, a man on the podcast at all. Man, woman, guest. This is the first guest ever, but this guest, uh, we talk about you all the time. Aaron, you are, I guess, what? What, what would you, how would you describe Aaron in one word, Josh? That's my hard-hitting question for you, Shaw. <laughs> I was going to say relentless, but uh, I, I, I think that's a good word. But I, I think there's a ton of different words you could probably use for Aaron. Yeah, he's a savage, but in a good way. I mean, fastest growing supplement company in history. And Aaron, you guys have an awesome video on Redcon1.com. We're not going to dive into the history of Redcon1 because they can go to that video and watch it. But, um, dude, I mean, it's uber impressive what you've been able to do in such a short period of time. I think Josh and I have talked about this before. The only other brand that we've seen maybe do something similar is Josh when you were at Muscle Farm and kind of what they did quickly. Um, Exceed all expectations, Aaron? Oh, it definitely exceeded my expectations, 100%. I mean, my my uh, thought process initially when Redcon started, I mean, obviously, I always want anything I do, I want to be the best, you know. Um, but, you know, I was realistic in the sense that when Redcon 1 was beginning, I thought, because I had just left Blackstone, obviously. And, uh, and at that time, I owned 35% of Blackstone. Um, so I felt like, well, Blackstone was, at the time was doing about $20 million in revenue. And so I figured, well, if I do 35% of that, then I'll be in the same place I would have been anyway. So, I mean, that seemed very like a realistic thing where I thought, you know, a few years I could be doing 7 million or, or so in sales. Right. I, I believe that. And, uh, and so that was, that was really what I was, you know, kind of aspiring towards. So yeah, it's, it went far, far past uh, the expectations. I think if any, if anybody told you that they expected what, what, what has that, what has occurred with Redcon and myself, they'd be extremely cocky, you know, very arrogant person to say, oh, yeah, I, this is all going to happen for sure. Yeah. Right. Aaron, so. did you – I have a random question. Like, when you were starting Redcon 1, before you came up with that concept, was there a concept before that? Like, was there a name? Did you always settle on Redcon 1, or was there another, like, brand concept that you and maybe Eric or Eduardo were, like, throwing around and saying, hey, this could work or this could work? A little bit, you know, very little of that actually, because it happened so fast. Because I left Blackstone and Redcon One really started going only a few days after, so it was only like a few days till the the idea started, you know, kind of forming. But we did have we have some I have some funny very early labels and logos that uh, that I'll have to post at some point where people if I showed you like our first because we had this designer in Brazil, a very nice guy, who I gave him the concept. And he came back with these horrendous, horrendous labels with like uh, zombie soldiers on the cover on the, on the label with like guns and like. And uh, if I show you, you'd be like, "Holy shit!" If I would have went with this, none of this would we wouldn't be here talking. Hmm. Um, uh, but we had some early ones that were pretty bad. And initially, we were looking at the name uh, DefCon or DefCon Labs or some shit like that. That was like the very, very initial uh, wording. But I mean, it was. It was initial in the sense that there's no way we were going to go with that. It was like a, almost like a placeholder till we found something that would seem appropriate. Um, but, but yeah. So it was it was very little concepts thrown around because it happened so quickly. You know. How long before you think somebody's going to have zombie um, soldiers on their labels now? <laughs> I'm surprised if nobody does. I mean, you got the killer <laughs> clowns and shit on there, so yeah, God. that's not that far away. <laughs> We'd spend a whole t- podcast talking about that. Um, $100 million, Aaron. I mean, I think 
Last year, you guys, I know you're very transparent about what you guys do in terms of, of revenue. And I know recently you just posted that you had one of your largest and best months ever on Amazon. Um, or best months, I think, in the history of Redcon 1, right? Wasn't July like yeah. the best month? How did, I mean, COVID, 2020, a lot of people want to throw it out the window, but you guys literally just had your best month ever. How were you able to do that? Second, second so best It was month. our second best month in the, in the company history. It was our best month on Amazon. Um, what so, do you think drove yeah, that? Yeah. So I think um, I think that so one cool thing that, I, that I'm very proud of is that we didn't have to fire anybody during COVID, you know, because a lot of people and that's not saying that it's bad that you do, because I have lots of friends, you know, um, that have had to. I was just speaking to you know, Jeff Compton from Europa. The business changed so dramatically that what it, it's either he needs to cut staff or the whole business shuts down. So um, I'm just proud that we didn't have to. Um, and uh, during the entire COVID, the, the business was profitable um, all the entire time. So it speaks to the, uh, the, how great the business is, is that we've been able to be profitable, not have to fire anybody. And I think the reason why last month was uh, the second best month ever is because I think that um, the brand would have been much higher. I mean, I, I can't even imagine where we would have been if COVID hadn't happened. Um, so I think that the momentum was already there and was already building. And I think another big thing is we, we really, you know, focused even strong, more strongly on direct to consumer, and so we we pumped up those numbers. And uh, since COVID, you know, happened, our direct to consumer has steadily uh, went up every month, month over month. And the Amazon, I kind of include in direct to consumer. Right. So, yeah. Can you talk about that in terms of the healthy balance between D 2 C retail, uh, your other online retailers? Because I think that's, you know, people I think look at Redcons like, how do they do it? How are they able to? be so heavy on direct to consumer, but also be successful in retail in brick and mortar. Cause they, I think Josh, you get this question a lot too. People will call us like, what are they doing down in Boca? Like what is Redcon doing? Like what's their proprietary formula? I mean, yeah. outside of being <laughs> relentless, like Josh said, I mean, how do you, how do you balance the two? So that way you're not pissing off your retailer, but you're able to do, you know, the best of both worlds. Well, I, it's funny cause me and Josh actually shot a video and he was here about this, about channel conflict. And uh, that is a question that I get a lot. And I think that first off, this this whole experience, the whole COVID you know thing, has definitely taught people how important direct to consumer is. That that channel is number one. And I can tell you, you guys probably know this already, but people that when they're interested in businesses in general, purchasing a business, investing, you know, ex in in general across the board, they want to know what's your direct to consumer numbers. You know, how are you doing? How, how are you collecting customer data? How much does it cost to acquire a customer? These are the important numbers and now if it was important before now it's super important because you got companies that were that were killing it you know i, was, I mean I, some that were i won't say a killing it but like a, a cellucor was doing great it was was certainly you know they made i think josh just talked about this the energy drink going in that direction maybe they did made some missteps in that direction uh and how they did it and stuff but i would say that company is a neutral was a very healthy company and I think that they're in, they're in a much much worse situation because they didn't focus at all on direct to consumer, and so uh, I know that you know it's tough. Like we owed or owed 1.4 million dollars uh, from the bankruptcy of GNC, money that we'll we'll never get back. I mean, mm. it's basically written off at this point. Um, Cellicor lost five million, um, so it's like man, that that is. I mean, 1.4 hurt. I can't even imagine five. Um, most companies wouldn't. They have to be strong to survive that. Um, so. For us, channel conflict doesn't happen a lot because we created such a strong direct-to-consumer brand initially that um, they really can't say much. So um, we've had some stuff where 
retailer, especially initially, would be like, well, I don't, why are you, you know, you're, you're targeting our customers to your website. And I've had to explain to them, yeah, we're spending money on digital marketing to make the brand popular, which is going to in turn help people come into your store and be aware of Redcon 1 or come into your store looking for it because that's a, a different consumer. For example, I'll never walk into a store and buy almost anything, right. you know, um, but people, a lot of people want to walk into the store and get their thing right then and there. And uh, if you're providing value to the customer with advice and, you know, talking to them about what products and, and providing value to the customer, you're going to be, if you're a good store, you're going to do fine because of that. So we initially had somewhere I had to explain that where I'm like, hey man, yeah, I'm spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on digital marketing, but it's even though yeah they're they're bringing coming to our site, that's the idea. Plenty of them are seeing it or hearing about it or talking about it or seeing the shirts and are uh, and are going to stores and buying it. So that was the initial thing. But now um, we did it in such a it kind of happened the right way. So now when you get a vitamin shop who we love, I, I love those guys over there. They don't even try. They won't even say like, hey, you need to like. The price on the on uh, the the deal you're doing this weekend is too aggressive. They don't even say that kind of thing because they know I'll just be like, sorry. Yeah. Or, you know. So we're in a position of of strength where there's there's really no leverage on their side at all anymore. Um, where if they said I don't we don't like it, they know I'm just going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, you feel like that. You know, you know, it's kind of not certainly not screw you because like I said, I you know that's not the way that we do business. But ultimately, we're not going to change the way we do business. For a retailer, even even a, you know, I don't know if I've even talked about it yet, but we'll be in Walmart in October on the shelves of Walmart, and uh, I wouldn't change. When we met with Walmart, we went to Bentonville. You know, it was a weird because it, it was a weird meeting because I was really worried that they were going to say, "Hey, we can't take Total War for for example, as is. It needs to be a, a cheaper formula, or it needs to be something you know something different." And I would have I would have said no. And I was very happy and relieved that they wanted, they believe Walmart's ready for a premium brand that doesn't have to lower the price, you don't have to change the formula, you don't have to alter anything about it. Um, because I think that uh, even with the Walmart, it would have been really tough to uh, to water down the products because that would change what, what the brand's even about. But um, but yeah, so even with the Walmart, you know, we were prepared to say no and walk away if mm -hmm. it didn't fit with the rest of the business. Yeah, the Walmart, um, I mean, I guess just Food drug mass convenience, I think, is adapting and just evolving, especially when they they kind of smell blood in the water with um, GNC and Vitamin Shop with the weakness in that and saying, hey, there's a lot of consumers that are looking to purchase products in different channels. We now need to offer merchandising that matches the expectation of the consumer. It can no longer be like this watered down effect. And I think that, that you guys are going to really spearhead that um, in Walmart. I think that that's going to bring that category of merchandising to be much stronger. And then I think overall, it, it just matures our industry even further. Um, for us to be in those stores and also make an impact in those stores would be huge. And not having to complicate your business even further by creating one-off SKUs and not being able then to liquidate those SKUs after things happen, right. it helps you then in your business be able to support it uh, much easier. You mentioned something around the um, like convenience in terms of like uh, energy drinks, C4, you know, all that type of stuff in terms of like mobility of, of individuals. A lot of those things got hurt because of COVID. And I wanted to ask you around kind of like a challenge um, or I guess like a risk that became apparent because of COVID um, in terms of your business that you're now looking at it and saying like, well, we need to hedge against this in the future. 
Oh, well, I mean, the, the, definitely <laughs> the the uh, the bankruptcy thing is definitely one where I'd never been involved in anything like that before. And I, honestly, I didn't really know the rules of how bankruptcies work and what it means for vendors and how, how absolutely crazy it is that a business can basically be like, yeah, we did a, a shitty job do it running this. And like, yeah, we have no money to pay you guys. Um, so we need to get like a do over. And basically you can, they, they basically can do that because obviously for like, for me, if, if things don't work out for me personally, or you guys, your credit cards, you don't get a do over, you know, you have to, your bankruptcy is, that's it. You know, you're not back to normal where you're back in business. So if, if Redcon one has bankruptcy, it's, it's over. That's it. We're, we're gone. Right. But for GNC, they're able to be like, we have no money, we're, we can't pay any of you guys anymore, and we're still going to be open, all the doors are open, and we still want to do business with you, um, we still want to partner strong with Redcon, we're just not going to pay you the money we owe you. And like that's a thing that's like, okay. Um, so that was a, a learning experience for me. And so thinking about who you give terms to, what kind of terms you let people have, and, 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 what, and what duration or what size do you go? So. You know, obviously, if you're doing better, more and more money is on the street all the time. Um, so you have, you know, for, for us, we're owed like eight million bucks right now. So it's eight million bucks that's on terms. If we do better, we'll be owed more and more money. And so you have to be, I think for me, seeing what happened with GNC um, has made me more cognizant of the fact that there's so much money on the, out on the street. What's the health of these other businesses like? And if they're not so good, when do you say, hey, I can't keep going further and further? Because you don't want to, it's it, you don't want to do that, right? Just because like the business part of you says, well, I don't want to limit how much money. I don't want them to not do business with me because I'm not extending them. But you know, when something like the GNC thing happens, it definitely has made me look at all the other businesses and say, well, how far do I really want to go with you know X uh, you know relationship? Do I want to let it be millions of dollars that could potentially be lost? So that that's the one thing that that struck us the most uh, over here because it's something that that I wasn't expecting. You know? I, I'm sitting here thinking, Josh and I were talking the other day, it's like, I just paid a credit card bill for like 32 grand for my business, and I thought that was a lot of money. I can't imagine 1.4 million just not coming into the bank account. Um, we were talking about direct-to-consumer before, Aaron, and you mentioned the, the investability or you know, somebody's looking to acquire the company. They're going to look at how much data you own. Um, and Josh and I just recently talked about data being extremely important in the health and wellness world. And I would say, Redcon, you're a very much data-driven business. Um, I've seen some of your back-end stuff. It's highly impressive what you guys have back there. I just got off a call with Ryan about what you guys are doing in terms of the web platform and the personalization experience that you're going to provide for your consumers. Data. How important, I mean, is, is that one of the biggest keys for you guys in terms of your growth and how you're able to get to that $100 million mark? Yeah, well, tar- knowing who your consumer is and being able to target future consumers intelligently, spend money uh, profitably so you're, you know, you're, your return on your investment is, is big. Obviously, like you, you mentioned, Ryan, so Ryan uh, and the team right now are working on a bunch of cool new things. Um, one thing that's really different, I think, from Redcon to most of the other supplement companies is that we have a dev team. You know, we have uh, six people on the dev team. They're creating custom stuff on a daily basis, things that, to be honest with you, I go back and forth thinking about should we be selling the, the, the software stuff that they're developing because they have some stuff that they have done with Shopify mm-hmm. that, um, that, nobody else, that nobody else has done and that would be able to be sold on the Shopify store for probably really big money. Uh, and obviously, 
it would be super cool to have no cost of goods in anything I'm selling. Yeah. You know, doing a, uh, a SaaS business would be it's outside of anything I've ever done before. So I, because of some of the, the cool stuff they're doing that's really, really unique, um, it, it's definitely a constant evolution. And I think probably Ryan told you about, um, so we're creating a, a unique customer experience. So the, the site will be, uh, will be specifically tailored to the person, what they've purchased before, what pages they visit, what videos they've, they've expressed interest in. So it'll be a totally custom experience based on, uh, on, the, on the user. So um, we've been, we're even doing some really cool stuff with uh, text messaging for uh, people that, uh, so we'll use the, the technology that we're building to um, kind of create an AI where if, if Josh orders protein every 30 or so days, um, we'll start to set up text reminders that all he'll have to do is write back yes, and then it'll send his order for that month, or it'll make suggestions, text suggestions based on uh, what he's purchased in the past. And there's a whole slew of cool stuff that they're doing. So if you don't have the data, uh, you can't do any of that. And uh, from the most basic stuff of marketing to people on Facebook and Instagram, having user data tells you, you know, who your customer, who you should be shooting for as your new customer. And then another big thing, although we don't do this that much, we're, we're, uh, we've been really good about every order being profitable. So a lot of growth companies, uh, this is a really weird thing, because a lot of growth companies don't make any money for me sometimes many orders. They're, they're focusing on the lifetime value of a customer. And it may be eight purchases like Peloton is a great example. Peloton loses money all that they don't only lose money. Yeah. Um, and the idea is they're going to turn this corner at some point uh, and then start being profitable because the, the LTV of the customers is so big because people stay on and they keep their memberships going. Um, it's funny, when, when Ryan and I got invited to Palo Alto to uh, the main uh, Facebook uh, like building, uh, One Hacker Way, and so they, they do it called a Disruptor Conference um, where they, they invite disruptors in, in their categories. So it's usually like 200 or so companies we're very, very lucky to be invited. We're definitely the smallest company there. Um, but Peloton was there and they literally got up and everybody clapped because they were gonna be profitable in 18 months. So like it got up and they're like, every, literally they're like, yeah, good job. Each And each one of these companies gets up, Smile Direct Club, all these, there are all these companies that literally were getting, people are clapping because they're gonna be profitable in the near future. So for us, every order has to be profitable. Um, so we don't focus on that as much. We obviously focus a lot on the lifetime value of a customer, but we don't spend up to acquire a customer knowing that, or hoping that one day uh, that customer is gonna buy six times and gonna be profitable. Every single order has to be profitable um, or else um, we don't do it. You made a, a comment around building a, you know, a SaaS product for potentially for sale um, because you, you built something that was useful for yourself. I mean, I. I kind of think about that in one from like the major inspiration is just Amazon, obviously them building things like AWS. But then even in our space, you have the Hut Group, which I made a video on around uh, that owns my protein. But they also have white labeled and sold one of their products from the customer ex experience side called Ingenuity, where they have massive customers like I think Walgreens and Clorox and, you know, that are running their uh, direct consumer sites. So there's a kind of all-encompassing they do. But um, I was kind of thinking about that because I think that is uh, when you get a product that is so useful to yourself, you think to yourself, well, you're already working on things that are past that point. So for you then to utilize that as a revenue creator, it makes sense because you can 
sell that to other people and you're not really scared that they're going to catch up to you because you're already working on other things. It's kind of always a constant innovation. They're just innovating to parity, I guess, and you're, you're profiting off of that of, over right. somebody else. Uh, but I was also thinking about the profitability standpoint. We talked about Peloton, and this is kind of where the idea around the data came from. And the, I guess the difference between you know Peloton and, and you guys is that you're selling a consumer packaged good where it's like a physical good. Now, obviously, Peloton has the bike, which is physical, but their subscription is where they make the majority of their money. So they're trying, hey, how do we get as many people into the system as possible? It's kind of like Uber or some of these, the more scale you get in, the, the better chance you have at this. So it's a little bit um, a little bit different, but it's, it's funny to think because we always think in the sense of like physical goods and like you can't run a business for very long if you continue to lose money on selling a physical good because you have to keep buying more goods. And then you're always in this like crazy cash cycle. And um, when you hear tech companies or you hear those things, it's hard to detach yourself from the thought patterns we have in terms of like a physical good. Cause right. we're so used to like, we had to pay eight bucks for this. We need to make money from it because we got to buy another $8 thing and another $8 thing. And it's like, it's constant where like, they're just putting out a technology that they put out a long time ago. And they're just trying to, you know, create revenue off of that. A lot of those companies too raise money. And that's one big thing is, you know, obviously I didn't raise any money. I'm, this is all hundred percent me. So I don't even, I don't even have lines of credit or anything. So it, I know a lot of those guys raise huge seed money and they say, okay, what's our burn rate uh, of this money? I can burn for this long till I need to be profitable. And for, like you were mentioning, if you need to continue buying more inventory because the demand's higher and you're losing money as you're building, I mean, it, it's obviously you need to be uh, well-financed to even consider that. And I, I certainly am not. <laughs> Let's go back to Walmart for a second. I, mean, I find this super interesting because many brands, Iovate, for instance, creates a separate line, right, for Walmart. Kind of we talked about that. Or um, ProSubs create a separate formula. You guys are not. And that's not... Uh, I guess that hasn't been the popular choice in the past, and you guys are able to go into Walmart with the the total war formula that we see today. If you were not a hundred million dollar brand prior to Walmart, how, how how big is that deal for you guys in your future? Pretty big, I think. Uh, pretty big. I mean, Walmart is a huge, huge uh, player, obviously, uh, but also I think you know you're getting in front of a lot more people. Um, that's the big thing: getting in front of a ton more people. You're uh, you have the ability to scale quickly. I think that I think Walmart, uh, as Josh mentioned, Walmart is people are honestly kind of channel agnostic now. They're going to buy wherever it's easiest for them, and so uh, a lot of people probably these days want to stop as few places as possible as well. So you walk into Walmart to buy your groceries, being there at Walmart where somebody is buying their groceries or vacuum cleaner or whatever, to have the product there in front of them, I think is a really really big deal. And I think back in the day, uh, if you would have asked me when Redcon once started, do I foresee? Red kind of wanted to be in Walmart, I would have told you definitely not. Because mm -hmm. I would I would think in my head, like, that means you're not cool. Like, that's not a cool, not a cool move. But I think that um, that things are really truly changing at this point. And that uh, that I think that while Walmart still might not be, you know, cool, uh, I think that more and more brands are going to, uh, as they, as we do well, you know, knock on wood, uh, as we do very well there, I think more and more people are going to want to, we're going to be pursue that. And I know that they're, they are pursuing it. I mean, that is one of the um, biggest growth um, portions of the Walmart business. You know, the guy that we deal with over there, uh, his name is uh, Matt Musgrave is, uh, is like a stud over there because he's one of the only departments, right. That has significant like double digit growth that doesn't really happen at Walmart anymore. Um, so 
I know when the, the the people over there look at look at him like you know he's the rock star because he's he created significant growth, and I think it'll it'll continue to grow. I think that they'll they will have um, they'll refocus because yeah, I mean the GNCs of the world, you know, unfortunately, you know things aren't looking as bright, you know, as we've said. Uh, by the way, I'm I'm a hundred percent for GNC getting on board. I like, I think the competition is good for everybody. And uh, they, they were a really good partner and it seems like they're refocusing. We made the decision to continue doing business with GNC. It's a very difficult, weird place to be because now they have secured money and we changed our terms with them, right? So the, it was a tough decision because it felt like, well, he owes me, imagine if the person, you know, 1.4 million bucks, last thing you're gonna do is go back into business with them. But right. for us, it was, it was like, you know, I, I, I don't not want to be in the whatever, how many they're going to 2,500 or whatever they're going to pair it down to locations. I don't want Red Cone not to be there. Um, so we figure out a way to, to continue working together. And I'm rooting for them, man. I'm I think that, that you're going to, people are going to be surprised that they're going to come out of this bankruptcy this year and probably be a significantly stronger company for getting rid of all these bad locations. I would say I want to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think my my thing is they're they're a notorious like um, for over promising and under delivering. I think they have a lot of holes in their business that they've not addressed at all within their like restructuring plan or anything. But that's you know I think just by subtracting a lot of the bad um, locations and stuff, things are going to look better. But it's kind of like when you get to that point, then where do you springboard from there is kind of always the question for GNC because they've kind of not made the right decisions from like a technology standpoint or anything to create a true like harmonized or frictionless type of uh, experience. It's more of like they think about the store and then they now all of a sudden are trying to think about digital, but it's not like they're thinking about them together. So, I mean, I, I think positive towards them being a part of the industry because I think any time we lose like a specialty retailer, it softens the core of the industry um, in terms of it doesn't give somebody that physical store to go to to find those very, very special products across the country, you know, if there's not a Joe's supplement shop down the street. Um, so for us to lose that completely would be um, detrimental in the short term, long term, digital and everything that's going to be where it goes. So it doesn't matter. But I think in the short term, we need to have them be a part of our ecosystem for the industry to um, continue to progress where it's at and have an option for for customers. But um, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see. I mean, I think that that's still up in the air right now in terms of like where that all goes and what it, I mean, you know, it's still not technically sold yet. So it's kind of like, where does it go? But I, I mean, that's probably been one of the most interesting pieces of news, at least from our industry, from like the retail side is just watching that over the last, you know, six months, try to figure out where, where does it go from here? Cause it, people like you and other brands in the industry are trying to figure out how do we use this big retailer again? How, you know, how strong are they going to be? Is it worth um, partnering with them? Are they still going to be a great partner? Because to your point, a lot of people had money tied up, in that uh, retailer for a long time. And now they're looking at it and saying, hey, they used to be you know, 8,000 stores. Now they're gonna be 4,000 stores. Should we have given them the, the same terms or the same pricing or the same, you know, they're a different retailer now. They're, they're worth, the value of them are different. Yeah, I think you bring up, I think, so like we talked about Walmart. Walmart will never carry the assortment of Redcon products that, uh, that GNC does. 
So you bring up a good point. If you want, like, so for Walmart, if we get 12 SKUs in there, that'll be a miracle. That'll be unbelievable and crazy. You know, G at GNC, we probably have 50 SKUs. So it's, uh, I, I don't even know how many, when you include the flavors and everything. We've got tons and tons and tons. So yeah, and that's one of, by the way, that's one of the things I do tell, also tell retailers. So when somebody hits us up, because I'm sure mom and pop stores will hear Red Cones and Walmart and be mad. They're like, well, what about us? And the thing I always tell them is, look, man, they're going to have such a limited selection that if they fall in love with Redcon at Walmart, they're going to want to see where else can they buy, you know, the other products that they can't get. Like you say they love Halo, right? Um, you can't get Halo at Walmart and it's not going to be there. So if you want that or Boomstick or whatever, you're going to have to go to another location or buy it online. And another thing is, for me, there's always a nostalgia part. Like when uh, when Flex Magazine went away, I, it didn't really, it doesn't change anything for me. You know, it doesn't hurt our business really. Uh, but I was sad. I was sad to see it go. You know, it feels like the end of an era. So GNC, I would go into GNC as a kid and look at all the, you know, uh, muscle tech products and all the how much I could increase my bench press if I only had the seventy dollars for the seatable one, right? So um, <laughs> I mean, I remember that stuff. And uh, and if it was gone, like totally gone, it would uh, it would make me sad. Just like we were really really excited when the products were on shelf. I mean. Me and Eric uh, went there to take pictures of the products being on the shelf. We were so excited. So, you know, uh, I'd hate to see anything like that. I'd hate to see them leave for, for multiple reasons, right? Aaron, a lot of times people start a business someday to sell that business. Um, and we've had a kind of soft conversations about this in the past. A lot of people thought you were going to sell a year ago, almost two years ago, just because how quickly you were growing. They thought you were going to get out and do something else. Is the end goal for you and Eric to eventually sell Redcon 1 and move on to something else? Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, and I can say that with all, you know, being transparent and honest, because that's, that's just the way shit goes, right? Yeah. Like, so you built something really cool there. There's right now, it's funny because people will be probably surprised to hear this, but I personally am making way less money than I made a few years ago because you have to constantly reinvest into the business as it grows. So to actually, to, to, to make any kind of really big money to have like a liquidity event, you need to have something like that to, to, to happen. So that is the plan. That being said, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. So it's like me and Eric are having a lot of, of course there's a lot of stress. That's just how it goes. Um, but if, if I were to sell today, I'll be starting something else that will be causing me just as much stress. So, you know, maybe more stress. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's no, there's no urgency to, to sell. And I mean, we, we love what we do. I love Redcon. We love the culture we're building, love being around the people. Now we have the gym. So every day I, I get to leave here to go to the Redcon gym, which is, you know, probably the best gym I've ever been to, um, in my life, uh, which is so crazy to say that I own the best gym I've ever been to, but, um, we, I mean, it, the gym is on, we got a bunch of new equipment recently that kind of like took it over the the top um and uh the the coolest gym i've ever been to uh would be in kuwait we went to oxygen gym in kuwait oh, but there's very cool. no no girls there and it's like a very different atmosphere no music it's like weird but they're i mean it's incredible um but um anyway so yeah i mean the answer is yes when uh is uh will be more of like a up in the air uh where like i, I can't imagine so that's the thing right you mentioned because we're growing so fast that's another like you when you think about that, you wouldn't want to, you don't want to sell, right? When you're going like crazy up, right? You also don't want to sell when you peak and start going the other direction. So uh, right now we're growing so fast and we have like the Emory RTD coming out in September, uh, which we have commitments from from everybody. I mean, that could be a $100 million product right there, an incremental $100 million increase, like almost immediately. Um, so to, to, to think about doing it, 
put it this way, it's it's not it's not on my mind right now, you know. So what about Josh brought up an interesting point in the last podcast or two podcasts ago? What about Redcon acquiring another company like Josh's favorite company to talk about BSN because Eric's got roots there and that that was his baby. Uh, is there any talks on the table of you guys maybe building out your portfolio through acquisition? Um, no, we haven't really thought about that. Uh, not not I mean, not that that's impossible. I know we've talked in the past, Eric and I, about acquiring a manufacturing facility because obviously then we vertically integrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric is super. So I'm not like a. I'm not a handy guy. Eric is like fucking Mr. Fix-It. You know, he can build engines. He's like, he loves the equipment. He likes the idea of making, physically making things. Um, so, um, you know, that would be something that would be really cool. Although that's not also not something that's like in happening right now, you know, but uh, that would be, it would be interesting. We did get approached uh, about doing marketing for other supplement companies, uh, which is, which was an interesting thought. Uh, but we, we also have kind of, Put that on. So the one thing that I've learned owning so many companies at one time, because you know, at one point I owned the, the, the CT Fletcher company, I owned Dynamic Muscle with Kai Green, I owned Run Everything Labs with with Dana and uh, Rob, um, and then obviously Redcon all at the same time. And uh, the one thing that I've noticed is that you just cannot use the same team for multiple things. You need to get a whole new teams if you really want to do a good job, because it always comes down to like, well. Somebody has a great idea. Oh, that idea is awesome. So who should get the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like I have found that taking the people we have here and diverting their attention to anything else, including my attention to anything else, always ends up bad. Like it's just not a not a thing that I've been able to accomplish where we've done really awesome on. Like for example, like with Kai on uh, Dynamic Muscle, I gave him his shares back for nothing. I gave him his shares, the IP, them, and so I just gave it to him. And said, here, you can have it all um, because I like him so much as a person. And I knew that we weren't doing as good a job as we could do. And Redcon was growing so fast. I basically just said, look, man, I'm not doing the service for you that you that I could. And I don't feel right about making money off this. And so I gave it to him. But if if Dynamic Muscle was all we had to do, dude, we'd, we'd be crushing it. Kai would be doing unbelievable. And, uh, and so that has uh, taught me a lesson, but it is a very interesting idea um, to do that for like, in the companies that, that we're talking about were, were much bigger than Redcon or legacy companies um, that have been around for a long time. And so the idea sounds really appealing because they have no direct to consumer and it would be really easy, I think, to, to, to scale them up quick in, in a way that, that, that would blow their minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it's like one of those things, man, like, you know, it's, it's real tempting to do a lot of different things, but it's very difficult to do all, them all well. Yeah, I was thinking when you were mentioning about the possible, you know, services side of things, it reminded me of uh, the Genius brand. Um, it's an Amazon brand, but Robert Oliver, he still runs Amazon um, for brands in the industry, even though he owns one as well. It's because he's just so good at it that it makes sense if people are really soft in that area he can run that for them. And that's probably a little bit different than some of the stuff you were talking about. He could probably focus those things pretty easily, but I think um, it is an idea because going back to that SaaS product at the beginning, the idea is like when you start to create core competencies or just capabilities that are so much stronger than somebody else, especially in an industry that sometimes lacks those things, you then find some easy like low hanging fruit. But to your point, it's like the opportunity cost is that if you lose focus, do you end up losing more by having your team members do something else? Uh, that's always kind of like that question to answer because there's 
so many opportunities. I think any entrepreneur that's been doing it for long enough knows that you have so many things getting thrown at you for opportunities. It's a matter of like, can you say no more than you could say yes? I know that I struggle with that. I know that Ryan, <laughs> Ryan does too. And I'm sure you do, Aaron, as well. It's kind of like you want to say yes because you feel so confident in yourself that you can make it happen. But then you realize like you're not Superman. You can't do it all. Yeah, I've, I've had too many times that I've said yes and then been like, damn it, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this. Or, you know, even like with the, the Kaya example, you know, where it's like, man, like I know I like I could do really good, but we're not. And um, yeah, it's definitely I get a lot of things that like this, the SaaS thing I'm I'm really interested in. But I think of our team, our dev team is doing so many things for Redcon 1. You know, I feel like would it would it make Redcon 1 a whole lot less exciting for them? Uh, if I said, hey, let's let's create you know digital products that we can sell, and you guys can make money selling, you know, I, I don't know if that. Uh, I feel like the the concern on my end is just like, well, that sounds maybe more exciting to those guys, you know, and mm -hmm. I, and, and I uh, I don't want to create it where it's like, well, the fun project is not Redcon, you know, but uh, but yeah, it's definitely a thing where you definitely need to be able to say no, and I've gotten a lot a lot better at saying no uh, to in general <laughs> in general. Yeah. Um, I, for me, I would say one of my my weaknesses is that I'm I'm too soft with with most things with people and you know just in general I'm I'm pretty uh pretty pretty much a softy, um, so it's not in my nature to say no if somebody asks also so it makes it even more difficult. Yeah, you're getting so a bunch of texts and phone calls now, Aaron. You realize that your emails yeah, are gonna blow up. I, uh, Send it I, to Eduardo. Yes. I don't want to wrap up the episode without talking about something. Josh and I did a whole episode on cause marketing or using your platform for good. And Redcon has done a phenomenal job this year. You're, you're again, a very transparent, which I love about you and your social channels. Like you open up the curtains and say, hey, this is who I am. Here's my wife. Here's my kids. Um, and also like the giving that you guys do to Semplify. And But now you guys took it a step further. And um, we'd be doing a disservice not to mention the Redcon One Foundation because I think that is an extremely cool thing that you guys are doing. I mean, it's very cool anytime a supplement brand uses their platform for good, whether it's a writing a check, building a home, whatever it might be. But you guys now created an actual nonprofit organization to help military families in need. Where the, I mean, was it an idea that just came about from like you and Darielle and, and the team because you've been giving so much it only made sense to create a foundation? A lot, that is definitely part of it. It's when we've been donating initially. Redcon One started, um, and uh, for years we've been we've been donating to different charities on a monthly basis. And um, and I really never talked about it. And it's funny. I just I always for some reason you know it's kind of like the same thing. I try not to. You see my life, right? And you, like exam the Amazon number posting that was a difficult decision because I don't want to I don't want to come off as bragging, right. you know. And and. Uh, and that's the only reason I really even posted that number was not to show the number we're doing, but to tell the story of the fact that um, that we had we turned off three hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue to in the hopes of bringing in more in the future, and how difficult the decision was to to turn off to turn away all these Amazon retailers who were ready to throw money at us, mm -hmm. especially when we're telling them that we're gonna we're going to stop. And then we were really, I mean, you're inundated with offers uh, like like people like the, the gentleman that does the Genius Brand. Guys like that that say, "Hey, well, don't don't stop. Just work with me. I'll give you a million dollars today." And mm -hmm. we had a lot of offers like that, uh, where it was very difficult to turn down. But it, we we bet on ourselves, and, and obviously, as as I posted, you know, we did a million dollars that month, last month on Amazon, from zero, uh, 18 months before, because everybody was other people were selling and not us. Um, so I always thought like, if you're giving money and you're telling people about it, then it kind of takes away some of the the value of doing it. 
And of all people, it's funny, the uh, the rabbi who, or the Redcon 1 rabbi who comes here, uh, Arale, uh, we, I told him that, and uh, we were talking about giving and, and how, you know, he was saying that it's, you know, obviously I also give to, we give to his Chabad, his synagogue as well, but he was saying that it's unique, that all the, the amount of different things we're doing, and I told him that, you know, I don't really talk about it, and he said um, that that's bad. He said, that's bad. And I was like, why is it bad? And he said, well... Because you're, by giving and pub, making it public, you do two things. You get people to want to participate more. They want to donate or they want to buy a product because they know that some of that money is going to something good, right? And the other thing is that it inspires other people in the industry to replicate this. You know, we hear all the time that this guy's copying you, that guy's copying you. I don't, I don't even, it doesn't, it doesn't even phase me because uh, it, it's happened so often. Um, where people say, oh, look at this guy, um, you know, whatever company copying. So I'm like, well, people do copy a lot. So maybe if we do something positive and we let people know that other companies will copy it, because that's something that I would want them to copy. So um, as soon as we did that and started um, telling people about it and posting the checks and showing what we're doing, uh, we definitely got a lot more support. And a lot of people started saying, that's why I love this company. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they great supplements. Yeah, we have good deals or whatever. But the fact that they're giving back, that, that's really important. And so we, we started seeing that. And um, because we were giving more money, I started doing more research into a lot of the charities. Now, I don't, I don't want to, there's a lot of good charities we work with. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I'm about to say something bad, but I don't want to paint all those guys with the same brush. But so one of them in particular, very little of the money actually goes to the guys that yeah. we're thinking we're helping. And uh, a large majority of it is going to... Uh, to administrative fees and salaries and other stuff that doesn't have to do with actually helping people. And that kind of got us thinking, uh, Darielle and me and everybody here thinking like, well, you know, if we were gonna do a charity, we would give every dollar away. We would give, there'd be zero dollars for administrative fees, you know? Um, so when we started researching that, um, we, we decided to bring out, a, get it on a board and like make it for real. And we, they do real meetings with minutes and they do, it's like a real thing. You know, this meeting's into session. It's pretty, and I'm not even in the meeting, so I'm I'm not on the board, which uh, which is a decision we made. So it removes me out of the out of the equation. Darielle is on the board, and then the Honorable Rob Wilkins, mm -hmm. uh, who's, uh, my good buddy, uh, who is people if they're bodybuilding fans probably would have seen him because he was with uh, Joe and Ben Weeder everywhere. So wherever Ben Weeder went, uh, he went. Rob went as well, and he was uh, the highest enlisted man in the Air Force uh, before retiring, and now basically focuses all his time and effort on on veteran affairs, helping mm -hmm. uh, veterans. So we got him to be the uh, president and the only salary that comes out is his very modest salary for Rob. Every other dollar, with the exception of that little bit that he gets to, to run it and for his flights and stuff to come down here, every dollar is going to the actual charities. And so our idea was when you give money to a, a, a charity, you really, even if they're giving all of it, you really don't know exactly what you're doing. And so the plan was to help, at least initially, to help one military family a month. And so we've been, because of COVID, it slowed everything down quite a bit, finding the right person, you know, having somebody that's willing to have a camera crew go to them during this time, or even being filmed at all. You know, a lot of these guys or girls don't want to be filmed at all, mm -hmm. um, especially in the special forces community. A lot of them are very uncomfortable being on camera at all, uh, even if they're retired. And like some of the guys that, that I'm very close with, have no pictures of themselves for years for operational security. They would tell the guys, uh, tier one guys, SEAL Team Six guys, or Delta Force guys, don't take pictures. Mm -hmm. They didn't even take pictures of their own family. Um, so to go from that to being in front of a camera talking about how you need help, 
it's, it's, it's not that easy to find somebody. So we end up finding Cor uh, Courtney Brown and his family, yeah. a guy, a military, a Marine, a combat veteran Marine who is literally a, a war hero who came back home, uh, had a tough time finding a job and transitioning. When he did find a job, COVID happened after buying his new house. He got fired or let go um, and then caught COVID. And so <laughs> he, he had like basically anything bad can happen to you. This guy, unfortunately, did. He has two little kids and a wife, a new house that he can't afford to pay for anymore. And so we were able to pay six months of his mortgage for him to give him some breathing room to get, uh, get back on his feet. Um, and then more recently, we um, uh, one of the uh, more secretive commands, they're, uh, these guys are gone all the time. And so um, being a, it's, they're not single moms, but you know, if the guys are gone 300 days of the year, right. they're, it's almost like a large part of the time they are. So we decided to help uh, buy school supplies for hundreds of families that, that are at this place. And, uh, and it's one last thing that these moms have to deal with for the school season with all the craziness going on. So, you know, we're trying to do stuff like that, um, that make actual differences that we're able to video and show. So when people see the video of Courtney Brown, um, and his house changed his life, my hope is that they want to uh, participate in some way, whether it's a donation or buying a supplement that they buy, they wouldn't have bought otherwise, giving a new flavor a chance because they know that it's going to, at least part of it is going to, to help people. Right. Yeah, I think with one of the biggest points, I think on that episode that Ryan and I talked about was that there's probably you know, a good amount of people in our industry that are doing really charitable things, great things, but they're not necessarily talking about it. Or if their brand is uh, purpose-driven or have some aspect of charitable um, activities, they're not storytelling enough to the point where people learn about it. And I think that that's doing it a disservice because if somebody doesn't know, you know, your ultimate purpose and goal and in this foundation or whatever, then they don't know how to help you. They don't know how to support that if they are aligned with you. And I think that um, it's an important thing in today's world, I think, to um, find that balance of showing your brag because there's so much noise. There's so much like things that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis that we get messaged on. It's like you need to you know, put your stake in the, in the ground and say, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm doing. So then somebody can reference that when they are looking for a product or they're looking to support a cause or whatever that there's just so many things from a like a daily messaging that you end up losing track of things if you're not talking about it and you just assume somebody's not doing it i think you just default to like the fill in the gaps of somebody's not doing something so i think that um you know ryan and i came from the midwest i mean we, we were taught not to talk about any of those things but i i don't necessarily think that that's the right way to do it now in 2020. I think you have to show some of that to people because um, if not, they're going to default to just thinking you're not doing something. And that's that's not what you want. You To your point around following the leader, I mean, I would love if more people would follow the leader on that idea or, you know, sustainable packaging or sourcing or, you know, all these ideas that eventually will move the industry or the world forward. It's like, yeah, copy that stuff. Let me, let me, let me yeah. follow the leader, you know, and then you guys can copy me on that stuff. So I hope people will look at this and go, I would love to finally create a foundation or, you know, just some 501 uh, C3 or whatever they're, you know, like those types of situations where like they create those elements within their business. I, I hope they look at you guys and go, wow, maybe I can aspire to be some fraction of that. I hope, they, I hope they beat us. I hope they give away more and do bigger things. I mean, that's really, 
you know, that's really the uh, that's the only time I'll ever want anybody to. I was going to say, uh, Aaron does not say those words very often. But, ever. But, no, but, it, but in this case, man, I hope somebody uh, one ups us, and you know, I uh, hope somebody gives a a year's mortgage to somebody who needs it, or, or or do something bigger. I mean, that's truly, you know, my hope. I think that the industry, two things, industry needs is more, is more good deeds, more people doing good things, and then also they they need we need some help uh, politically. I think we need like. I have said this before, maybe it's something that we'll explore in the future is we have nobody lobbying for us. You know, uh, the sports supplement industry has nobody. Uh, nobody's backing us up. And I think that that's something that, that needs to change as well. Is all these companies, if, if we got together a, a, a handful, even you know, a dozen or so companies that kicked in a little money, you could make a big difference and have somebody defending us. Because, you know, you see the uh, LC, the, the NIC stuff. Um, you guys have seen that? How the. They're, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, ingredients are just like that. Anything can happen. So when one gets knocked off like that, and they're starting being, you know, uh, if if hypothetically, if that that ingredient, which is obviously uh, a harmless ingredient, if that becomes illegal or gets banned or whatever, you know, where does it go from there? I just think that we need somebody, uh, you know, telling industry and and vocally um so those are the two things i would if we can do anything in in, in 2020 that's positive for the industry that, those would be two great things love it well we'll wrap this episode up here um i'm excited what, what, josh let's final takeaway is like what are you excited about most about redcon for this year josh because i'll start and say i'm excited to see this black friday sale this year because we're not far away <laughs> we literally are not far away people lost their shit last year on your sale, oh, yeah. Aaron. We're, 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 that's planned. Oh, we're I know. I know. I'm excited about this because, like, if you thought last year was crazy, I mean, people are gonna people are gonna lose their shit again. Gotta go bigger. Gotta go bigger. Do Do people want to see the second video, like the uh, the sequel? Was that, <laughs> the, uh, the sequel that I that I did video. for? <laughs> every, I think that was probably one of the most. Um, the videos I got the most, um, I guess, positive kind of things from the industry where people really appreciated. Just the openness that you had on that video with on my channel, just around just the stuff that you were doing. I think it really helped a lot of people understand what um, they needed to do to step up their game. Which um, you know that was kind of the point of it was uh, that hopefully people can can look at you guys and say, "Wow, this is this is how they're doing this, and we need to step up our game." And this you know all the tides rise and we all the ships go up with it type of a situation. If we could think. Uh, more nimbly. Um, well, I know for me, I'm, I'm interested in the uh, the MRE RTD, yeah, awesome. um, and I'm not a product guy, but I think that that's a category that I pay a ton of attention to. And it, you guys have a little bit of a differentiation in there, and I think that um, you guys are doing things a bunch of different ways. That, um, and I'll say some that I uh, like, some that I don't like. So I want to see how it is in market. I think for me, as a as a watcher of of consumer behavior. I want to kind of see what happens. So I'm excited when you guys launch that to see what happens. Me too. I mean, I'm, I'm probably the black Friday thing I look for. I mean, I, that's like my birthday. I mean, black Friday, when, <laughs> when the site goes live, we do it on Thanksgiving, usually at like seven or whatever, when it goes live, it's uh, it is uh, very, very exciting. Like the whole thing. It's like uh, literally something that I look forward to all year long and think about how awesome it's going to be. And, you know, we all pack the packages together and everything, which is really cool. Even a lot of uh, my marketing people don't love that as much as me. I love getting there and packing the packages and having Asher work and Darielle work. And I think it's really neat uh, team building. Because obviously you build teams during fun stuff, but you can you can really build a stronger team going through adversity. And, and the amount of packages is uh, is pretty, the 
staggering when the when it comes out and you know you got a your shift you have to finish the stack of labels you know six feet high um but um the our emory rtd definitely tops it for me it's been a, it's been a year long over a year long project um and it's i'm sure eric has lost hair over it because i uh, i'm constantly harassing him for what's next what is it what's going to happen why is it taking so long um because he's really he's really spearheaded the the, the, the entire project um, but man, they are so freaking good. Um, you guys, I don't think either one of you tried the final samples. I haven't tried the final. Have I tried the initials, and those were good. So these are, they're, man, they, they did. We, I mean, they, they were great before, but they, now they're they're really uh, unbelievable. And so I'm super excited because it is a big category that is really really empty. I mean, there's mm -hmm. not a because a, a lot of people say, oh, when are you gonna do an energy drink? When are you gonna do an energy drink? And uh, man, it, that's super competitive. You're playing with the big boys and not that we couldn't do it or we wouldn't do it well, but it's like when there's so much white space in another drink category, why try to compete with uh, monsters, monster, literally, um, you know, people that are, that are, um, you know, very entrenched and have tremendous marketing budgets. And, you know, I look at Jack Oak, he's got another uh, hot girl with 10 million followers every day. He's hiring onto the team. <laughs> and this guy is, uh, I mean, he must have a thousand of them now. Um, so, uh, it's it's incredible. Any girl that I see at the blue check, uh, I'll, if I ever look, it's always they're always with Bang now. Yeah. Every every one of them, every one of them. So the budget he's spending on the girls has got to be in the in the millions a month right now on on just on his girl influencers. Uh, I'm not even exaggerating. I literally think he's in the millions a month on his on his advertising on his girls. Um, but so why why compete against that? You know. Um, so I I think that it's going to be really really exciting. I know the product was great. Obviously, not having whey protein in a protein drink makes it unique. You know, having uh, animal-based protein, it's going to be uh, very different, and uh, I think it's going to be huge, man. I think it's going to be huge. So that's my most thing I'm most excited about. It's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be cool because I mean, Josh and I have talked about you know you have Premier, you have Saddle Sport in that category, and other than that, it's boring. It's it's been the same way yeah. for years and years and years. And to your point, everyone's like, hey, we got to do an energy drink, energy drink. It's like, okay. Why? But you found white space. I'm excited for it. I know Josh is excited for it. Uh, and we'll have to bring you back on, I think, after the launch and, and discuss. I think it'll be interesting. To, like, what did you learn? The learning experience, like the positive negatives, because no doubt there's going to be bumps in the road, most likely, but there's also probably going to be a lot of highs. So, uh, Aaron, we definitely appreciate you coming on, sharing your insight into business, into everything that we talked about. Um, having, being our first guest, you, you, you know, we're no longer virgins, Josh. Josh is no longer a virgin. This is a big, big episode. This is really big. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to uh, to uh, been here and uh, pop your cherry. <laughs> <laughs>